Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from the Vine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I'm excited that you are walking with me. What we do each day is we look at about three chapters of Scripture that I'm just organically reading through in my time with the Lord, and we're going to discuss them for around 20 minutes. You're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters individually, but hopefully together we'll be able to hear the voice of the Lord as we're meeting each day. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage is from Isaiah 37, 38, and 39. We left off yesterday, and we were talking about this um, ordained silence. And that's something I've actually been wanting to talk about for a while. There's so many passages of Scripture where I feel like there's an emphasis on the quietness or the silence of God's people in the midst of a lot of noise. And um, I think there's a great place of wisdom in that. Of course, we learned that from um, Job and from the Proverbs and from, you know, Ecclesiastes and all these books of wisdom, we, we got to see that there's something special about knowing when not to speak. And uh, I think as we all grow more spiritually mature, we'll be able to pick and choose the moments when we speak and when we don't. And, um, I love it because, uh, the enemy in Isaiah 36 comes against Judah and um, he speaks words that are, that are not only just threats, but he speaks words that are uh, very enticing, difficult questions, you know, and I have found that the enemy works best through questions. In fact, he doesn't even want to just say things to us. He actually wants us to get he wants to get us to say things to ourselves, And because the life and death is found in the tongue. And so he, he actually wants me to speak over my own situation, the very thoughts that he has. And I even fall victim sometimes into being into other people's conversations. And they'll ask me questions and they don't do this on purpose. Listen, people around you are getting used by the enemy all the time. And sometimes you're even being used by the enemy. It doesn't mean that you're demented or demon possessed. Don't look at it like that. It's just because there's spiritual warfare going on and he's planting ideas in, in your mind and other people's minds. And we're all learning how to take them captive. But yes, there's moments where people will ask you a question and, you know, like someone goes, can you believe that they did that? You know, can you believe that they did that? What do you think about that? You know, and I call that the bait. You know what I mean? It's like a fishing lure and it's just it's just appetizing and it's just sitting there and they're not evil people. Okay, they're just fleshly people and we fight a real enemy that that grabs a hold of loose flesh and gets people to say and ask difficult questions and and feel certain emotions that will uh kind of cause a um pinball effect onto or domino effect rather onto all the other all the other people and so it's it's difficult in those moments to go wow you know um i don't know you know i'm just i think we just pray 
you know, I think it's, everything's going to be okay. I think we just pray. And, and just leave it alone. You know, it, it's so hard because the bait is so good sometimes to try to come in and bite down and all that kind of stuff. But but I'm telling you, the, the enemy works in the way of questions. It's not just, the, he, I want to put it out to us. It's not just the questions in our own mind, our own internal dialogue, though it is there a lot of the time. But it's also even in the way of other people's conversations with us. And uh, you could even maybe look back on your life and think about some of the things that you've said and how it created a negative reaction in the way that other people responded to it. And you think, oh, I really shouldn't have said that. I was, you know, I think the more mature we get, the the less mature we're going to realize that it is to air our dirty laundry and vent. And, you know, because there's no real healing in that. You just drag people down into your sickness. That's all there is. The Lord's the healer, you know. And so, um, and then even as you have a chance to to counsel people like I do as a pastor. A lot of times people do bring me kind of some gross stuff and I have to be careful that I don't get caught up in it. And so we respond with the word of God. We just respond with truth and we don't get caught up into stating our opinions and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so anyways, I just love this ordained silence in chapter 36 because when you're really in a battle, that's one of the probably one of the most um, underrated advice is you know just be quiet, just be quiet. But you know it's actually what attorneys are always telling their clients. You know they they say don't say anything. You know and 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 what do we say? We I plead the fifth. You know I don't I don't have to say anything. You know and I just want to kind of encourage all of us today that in in a lot of the moments of the battle, you know, you don't have to say anything. You, you don't have to. You don't have to defend yourself, right? And um, so that was the wisdom that was released to them. And then in, that's what we're starting with at chapter 37. And then it says, As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna the secretary and the senior priest, covered with sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, and so, you know, so I just want to show, like, it, it hurt. The the things that were said hurt. But they didn't talk about it. They didn't speak on it. And what he did was he takes the feelings that he felt, the fear that he felt, he took it all to the house of the Lord. He took it all to the Lord. And that's how we have to respond, is we respond in stillness. Right? The Bible says, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to get angry. So, like, I, I'm, I'm listening, okay, but I'm responding silently, and then I'm going to take this all to the Lord, and I'm going to let let Him decide what's what's the meaning of all this and and what the plan is. And so, um, they said to him, they go to Isaiah and they say, "Well, hey, Hezekiah said this. This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth." It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, with which the young men of the, of, of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him 
so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land. And I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. The uh, the Rapshaga returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard that the king had left Lachish. Now the king heard concerning Tirheka, the king of Cush, he has set out to fight against you. When he heard it, he sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, the king of Judah. Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction. And shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them? The nations that my fathers destroyed, Gozan, Haran, Resif, and the people of Eden, who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sepharvaim, the king of Hina, the king of Iva? He says, where, where are those kings at? So, a couple of really cool things in this passage. So, they're disturbed. Okay, you've got to think about this in your own life. Things happen and it disturbs you. And there are voices that are speaking that sometimes overwhelm you. They exhaust you. They frustrate you. Right? We all, we all experience these sort of, of very real uh, pains. And so, uh, but in the midst of it all, they held to their silence. They didn't fight in their own strength. They didn't argue. They didn't debate. But what they did do was they went to the Lord. Right, so we take all these feelings and all this and everything, the questions and all that, we take it to the Lord. We don't start a conversation like Eden did in the garden, right? We, 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 we let the Lord do our fighting. And so the very first thing, when all this gets back to Isaiah, Isaiah speaks the word of the Lord and he says, you know what's going to happen is, don't be afraid because I'm going to fight for you. And the Lord God is still fighting for us. He is still in the business of fighting for us. And we don't have to fight in our own strength. And I love stories like this one where he literally says, how about this? I'll just put a rumor in his ear. So the Lord literally causes for a rumor to be put forth into the, into, uh, the king of Assyria's ear. So he starts chasing after his own tail, basically. He starts chasing ghosts. He starts running around after all these mythical things because the Lord had put a spirit in him to do so. Literally, he put a confusion in him. And so, uh, but then in the midst of all of that, um, he, he, he's such a bad dude. He still sends back the word to uh, Jerusalem and he goes, hey, listen. Uh, you're probably thinking because I left town that uh, the Lord's going to give you victory. Listen, the Lord's not going to give you victory over me. You're ridiculous, okay? Um, you know, uh, I, I'm 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 a bad man, pajama, right? He said, y- y- you ever even heard of all these other kingdoms? <laughs> he said, I wiped them all out, and so did my daddy, and I'm going to do the same thing to you. And so then it says, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And I love this. It said, and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it before the Lord. Isn't that just awesome? He took this threatening letter that said, I'm about to wipe you off the face of the earth and there's nothing your God can do about it. And he goes up and he spreads it out before the Lord. And he says, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the, of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste 
all the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now our Lord, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. And then the Lord speaks and states, hey, I'm going to do what you have said. I'm going to put a hook in his nose, a bit in his mouth, and uh, I'm going to totally destroy uh, their people. And then all the way jump down to verse 33, it says, Therefore says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into the city or shoot an arrow there or come before it with a shield or cast up a siege mount against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return. He shall not come into the city, declares the Lord, for I will defend the city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And the angel of the Lord went out and struck down one hundred and eighty five thousand in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people uh, arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. And he was worshiping in the house of Nishrosh, his god, uh, Adaramelech and Shirazer, his sons, struck him down with the sword. And after they escaped into the land of Ararat, uh, Esaradon, his son, reigned in his place. This was the chapter of hard to pronounce uh, names, <laughs> was chapter 37. Um, but, wow, man, imagine that. He says, there's nothing your God can do to stop me. Wow. And Hezekiah, what does he do? Does he pull together a big army? Does he? No, man. He takes this threatening letter. He takes the words of the enemy and he lays them out before the Lord. And he says, God, I know that you're able to defeat this guy. He may have defeated every other God, but those weren't gods at all. Those were idols made of wood and clay. But man, you are the living God. And the Lord says, yes, I am. I'm going to put a hook it. I'm going to put a hook in his nose and I'm going to destroy this whole thing. I know you're sitting down and you're going out and you're coming in and I know everything that you say that, that rages against me. And, and so then the, this is the, then the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 people. Can you imagine waking up the next morning and 185, you're surrounded by 185,000 dead bodies. Oh my goodness, that is the craziest thing. Sometimes I get into looking at the populations of certain cities because I think that's, you know, just fascinating. And I mean, that's an entire city. I mean, that's a big city. Um, let's see, that's probably about, oh man, I'm trying to think of somewhere around here. Oh yeah, look at this. That's exactly the size of the city of Chattanooga. If you're from familiar with Chattanooga or you're, you you know, been there before, it's almost the size of Knoxville. Chattanooga is 182,000. Knoxville is 192,000. I mean, gosh, this is crazy. Can you imagine the entire city of Chattanooga being wiped out? Wake up the next morning, everyone's dead. 185,000. I mean, that's just absolutely crazy. You don't mess with the Lord. <laughs> you don't mess with the Lord. That's our God. He fights for his people, right? And so when you hear stories like this, you think about how silly it is that we try to fight in our own strength. Why don't we just lay it all out before the Lord and say, Lord, would you come and fight for me? Would you do what you can only do? And so just this amazing story. And then chapters 38 and 39 are regarding uh, Hezekiah's sickness and recovery. So Hezekiah gets to the point where he's about to die and he asks the Lord, 
um, he weeps before the Lord and says, Lord, would you remember me? Remember how I've walked with integrity. And Isaiah comes before uh, Hezekiah with a word from God that says, you know, I'm going to heal you and I'm going to add to your years. And so he says, I'm going to add 15 more years to your life. And so Hezekiah is incredibly grateful and, and just responds, responds and prays that he's able to have a longer period of life because the Lord's seen him and, and blessed him. And so he adds to his life. And that's a lot of what chapter 38 is about. And um, he's just overjoyed. I love the last couple of verses in 38. He says, The Lord will save me and we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. So he's like, I'm just so glad that the Lord has given me uh, health back in my body and lengthen my days. And I'm going to use those days to give him praise and to give him worship because he's worthy of it. And, you know, it's just, it's so awesome that, you know, our calling and our mission on our lives, no matter what our sphere of influence is, the, uh, the calling of our life, our lives are to give God worship and praise and to, and to seek his consultation to seek his wisdom and what he wants us to do, to bring him our fears, to be silent in the in the battles and when the enemy's screaming and when all the questions are being asked, and to bring everything to the Lord Jesus. Even even our hurting, even our sickness, to say, Lord God, here I am, could you heal me? Could you lift this this burden off of me? Lord, so that I could just give you more praise, so that I could just live for longer on this side of heaven, just to let people know how wonderful of a God that you are. And so the Lord responds to him and and uh, and heals him. And then chapter 39 is an interesting chapter because uh, someone from um, the king of Babylon comes and and uh, and he hears that that King Hezekiah has been sick and then he's recovered. And Hezekiah welcomes him gladly and then he shows him his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his whole armory and all that is found in the storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all of his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Then the Isaiah, the prophet, came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? From where did they come to you? Hezekiah said, They have come to me from a far country, from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord, the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the place in, uh, in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good, for he thought there will be peace and security in my days. So, you know, that was a positive way to look at it, wasn't it? From <laughs> Hezekiah, well, ooh, that's going to be really tough. But, you know, it's a good thing that you, um, you know, he caught the part that it says, you know, this is all going to happen after <laughs> after I die. So he responds to it from a, from a state of optimism, doesn't he? Well, you know, things are going to be good until I go. You know, and so this is an interesting story because we try to find a little bit of wisdom in the midst of it. You know, I think when you're reading it uh, right off the bat, I think, man, why did he show him everything? You know what I mean? That That's kind of... Now, the Lord doesn't really rebuke him for this in such a way to where we could definitively state that he did something wrong. But I think it is interesting to me. It seems almost like uh, perhaps... He's trying to brag about what he's got, and he's he's maybe a bit arrogant or egotistical, and he's 
showing it off in such a way that he shouldn't have. You know, this is one of those stories like when when uh, David does the, uh, you know, the, uh, what's it called? The, the uh, census. And David, you know, brings it, you know, and God hadn't told him to do it and he does it. And it's like, you know, they're penalized for it. And so it's like, it's one of those things. It's like, man, maybe this was a moment where it's like he was, he was, you know, arrogant about his stuff. And the Lord humbles those who exalt themselves. So maybe that's what's going on here. Maybe it's also because he doesn't seek the word of the Lord. I mean, he just, there's a stranger that comes into the kingdom and he just shows him around and welcomes him and everything. And and uh, maybe he should have gone and sought the Lord about this. I mean, if there's anything that we're learning in the book of Isaiah is that we must be people that are desperate for the Lord's consultation. Like, Lord, give me your wisdom. You're the wonderful counselor. You're the prince of peace. You're the everlasting father. Like, I need your word in my life. I need a fresh word to know, should I go or should I stay or should I welcome or should I, uh, you know, uh, you know, should I secure? Should I, you know, you know, should you know the word of the Lord may have come to him to say, lock up everything before this visitor comes or before you show him, you know, and so there's all these sort of things, but then also there's, you know, just the, the, uh, the state of it is, you know, that he says, this is going to take place after you go. And, um, you know, so the Lord's still promising that the words that he had given to Hezekiah and, and Hezekiah is just like most of the other Kings in scripture, you know, he was, he had, good in him and he had bad in him and he had, you know, and we learned from both. We learned from the good things that he did and from the bad things that he did. And, um, so one of the things that he, when his life seemed to prosper, it was when he sought the counsel of the Lord and some of the moments where I think we could say that his life, uh, you know, became more difficult or, or was harder as moments when he didn't. And maybe we just take from that today that, man, I just want to bring everything to the Lord and I only want to do what he tells me to do. And I don't want to fight my own strength and I don't want to, you know, and I want to learn to be silent in the struggle. You know, that that's the biggest thing that that is still speaking to me from this portion of Isaiah is we've got to learn to be silent in the struggle. I think I was talking about it yesterday, but, you know, you just can't, believe God for what he's going to do and also be complaining and running your mouth and just talking about everything all the time because it just, it quenches faith. So when you're going to choose to believe, you have to simultaneously oftentimes choose to be silent. You know, you can't go into your prayer place and say, God bless my finances and then go out of your prayer place and whine to everybody how poor you are all the time because I thought you were believing God for something here. Because with every word that you complain about your poverty, you're basically continuously uh, speaking doubt over your situation instead of faith. And so, you know, that's disrespectful to the Lord, but it also quenches your faith because if you prayed one prayer, God bless my finances, and then you told 15 people that you're so discouraged because you're poor, you don't have faith anymore. You've squashed your faith, you know. And so we just need to be people that learn to be quiet and still and silent. Let the Lord fight for us and seek his counsel about every move we make.